Keep good. Keep on Twitter. The Proxy Pharaoh has returned Friday for you folks. We're here. Proxy Pharaoh is in your realm, whichever realm you reside in. We're going to be dropping heat from the mixed martial arts world, from the animation world, from Japan, and from entertainment. Thank you guys for being with me so very much. Always, if you want to talk about anything, anything that you need from me, hit me up on Twitter at the wonderful Keep Good Keith, or you can always DM me. Looking forward to hearing all your responses and feedback. Today, I want to open up the show a little bit differently. We're going to start with anime. The winter season has begun, and I just want to talk about one of the my favorite manga of last year, and one of my new favorite anime is going to be The Promised Neverland. It was a resounding success, a glorious debut on multiple platforms. First episode detailed the Grace Field House, all of the orphans, the kind of the dynamics of the household, and also a little dark secret. Spoilers will be at the end of the episode, so just keep listening if you want to hear a little bit more about that. Um, Promise Neverland was trending on Twitter two days. Uh, it got all the way up to number eight, which is super impressive for a show that's only going to have 13 episodes run, so they say. So I'm looking forward to see, you know, how this newfound success is going to affect the product. It was already doing so well in the manga over in Japan, and we can only look for bigger and better things to come. My biggest takeaway from the Private Neverlands was, one, the key visuals. It was very dynamic. It was very bright. And the animation that was done on each of the characters was very dynamic, very distinct. And one scene that I really liked was when they were doing the tests, testing. I liked all of the the lighting in that scene. Another key visual is the mystery aspect is actually something that they're using in more of a horror direction, which is something that I do like. The Everything that, that goes on in the series can get pretty dark, so I appreciate them doing that. And trying to upplay the light and the darkness of the show. And another one of my takeaways is that it's being very well received here in America. Um, a lot of YouTubers and a lot of different people that I are in the know and people I know are very hyped upon this series. And it's spreading like wild cakes. I'm very impressed with the reach of it. And like I said, it's only going to go up from here. It's only going to be a better series. And I hope... For the future, we can get a season two. Another anime that I was very interested in and just finished watching actually was um, Dororo. Um, very, again, a very dark, creepy anime set in, um, in the old times, um, feudal Japan. So it looked very interesting. Again, no spoilers, but it was a very different story. And I liked the interaction between the two main characters. Um, towards the end the most and the revealing the story seems very cool so i'm looking forward to seeing more episodes of that in the future um i'm gonna go and switch gears to the mma world now some more news came out about john jones this week switching gears um just want to wrap up two three two with a nice little bow Seven hundred thousand buys as reported uh, for the pay-per-view which is one surprising because they moved the event um, I mean, honestly, I believe that the fans just want to see events and more or less than not, as long as the fight card 
goes off without a hitch, everyone will be happy. How many times in this last year have we gone by and seen many, many events get canceled, fights moved, injuries, any number of things? I mean, Tony Ferguson had sunglasses on and tripped over a cable for, you know, for instance. So the fact that the event went on maybe just triggered fans and just got them excited about seeing the return of John Jones. Plus, um, they had two title fights on it. Main card was very stacked, so I'm not surprised about the buy rate. I just thought that, you know, it'd be a little bit dented by the, you know, moving of the event from Las Vegas to L.A. And the fact that, you know, a big talking point in that fight week was the fact that John Jones was a UFC star, but not a mainstream star. A lot of them, a lot of media, I would say, allocated the buys that John Jones received to his feud with Daniel Cormier. And now we have a bit of evidence to see that maybe that's not it. We can lean on some evidence of, you know, Ronda Rousey, Brock Lesnar. The return spectacle does garner a lot more views. So that could be another contributing factor, but that is good for the UFC. You know, John Jones has gone the record by saying that he wants to fight three times this year, has a quick turnaround against Anthony Smith in March. If he get you know, headline international fight week and then maybe, you know, fight in New York in November, that's three, you know, near million dollar buys the UFC can bank on. And then the most important takeaway I can get from that 700k buys is the second highest pay-per-view of the year that is dynamic in a year where Conor McGregor only fought once if they can you know bank on three more paydays like that in this calendar year plus the return of McGregor I mean that they're already going to be doing better than they did in 2018 another bit of John Jones news has come out well it looks like Rocket Man has returned to Earth. There was no positive tests resulting from the UFC 232 post-fight drug screenings for John Jones. So any speculation that they were giving him a pass and pushing drug tests under the bus, at least at this junction, we can be calmed. They can be quelled. I'm not 100% sure no one can be. You know, no one can even know what a picogram is. But at the end of the day, he tested clean. We can move forward. That's evidence that he can show Nevada and his hearing later on this month. And if he can show those things, maybe he'll be able to get this license. And we can maybe put this whole um, metabolite thing to bed. I feel like that would be the most important thing for his career. We can't have, you know, John Jones fighting three times a year. And every single fight we're talking about this metabolite stuff. That's going to bring cloud over the event cloud over the championship, and a cloud over sport. We just can't have that. One thing I want to quickly touch on before I get into fight announcements is that um, Rose Namajunas is going to fight Jessica Andrade in May in Brazil, which is something I already talked about on my last podcast. But a new revelation is they're trying to sell out a 45,000-seat arena for that fight. And that's going to be a headlining fight in Brazil. That is huge for the straw weight division where I don't believe they ever have headlined a pay-per-view before, but it looks like just like before when Amanda Nunes, as long as they have a Brazilian 
um, contender a, or champion, they can go down there and try to sell out. I'm very interested to see what those numbers will do. And good on Rose Namajunas to come back from injury, fighting the scariest woman in the division. Somebody who took Ioana's best strikes and kept going forward for five hard rounds and has been unstoppable since then. I mean, Jessica Andrade looks like a tank, steamroller, if you will. So I'm very excited. And that's a good way to just take off all tension away from her missing so many um events or being injured to come back and do something dynamic like that you know the whole Kobe Covington whining about people not taking fights Tyron Woodley complaining about them forcing him into championship bouts I don't know any champion that's going to go down to Brazil and defend their title like that besides Ronda I mean she was like a 10 to 1 favorite or something ridiculous like that the biggest favorite in UFC history so I mean let's not say that's a I mean Good on Ronda. I'm not going to take anything away from her. But this is a completely different situation. And Jessica Andrade is a real contender. So, with that said, I hope the best for Rose. And I'm looking forward to that fight in May. All right. And fight announcements. You can always find my fight announcements on Twitter. I keep good Keith. I always have those available for you. I always will repost them after the podcast. Um, a couple ones that I really want to point out. We have Michelle Watterson taking on Carolina Kovalkiewicz at uh, Strawweight. That is going to be a barn burner as well. We had some fights drop out, unfortunately. Um, man John Lineker is out of his fight on the first ESPN. Um, I think in the um, the second ESPN card in Brazil. So I'm very sad about that. We have Tim Boach returning against Amari Akhmedov. Um, I was very high on Akhmedov at welterweight now he's going up the middleweight so i'm only expecting um great things for him I, for some reason i feel like he's fought one time middleweight in the ufc um let me know on twitter if i'm right or wrong about that and another two fights i'm very high about sergio marias versus rocco martin and um yanni Raya versus uh ricky simone Yaya has been on a tear lately since dropping back down to Bantamweight. And so is Rocco Martin after going up. So I'm looking forward to those two fights. And she made a lot of news earlier this week, taking out a robber who tried to to try to um, steal her phone with a piece of cardboard. Um, Poliana Viana has a new has a new fight at straw weight. And I said it before and I'll say it again. Don't rob people with cardboard. Also, avoid people in UFC shirts if you could. Um, another big announcement um, was um, the return of David Tamer and John Dotson, respectively. Um, Tamer's going to fight a guy named Chris Fishold. I believe I, um, he fought in the UFC before. And Dotson's fighting Peter Yan, which is um, Peter Yan, sorry, which is going to be a very exciting bout. I'm really interested to see where John Dotson is at his career. And I was very impressed with um, Jan's last performance. And now we go to one who announces not only the beginning of their lightweight Grand Prix, but they also have all the bouts announced, which is amazing. All four opening round bouts will be contested before the end of April. I mean, before the beginning of April. And around at the end, Eddie Alvarez will be competing on March 31st. One thing that really bummed me out this week was that Lovato Jr. was not able to get a new opponent. That's right. Rafael Lovato Jr., number one contender for the Bellator middleweight trap, 
will not be competing at Bellator 214, unfortunately. Um, Usasi um, had a back injury that was reported earlier in December, and it looks like they haven't found a replacing opponent. I thought for sure Lyoto Machida was going to step up on short notice to fight him, but it seems that's, uh, I don't want to make any speculation, but it was already a dangerous fight, and it was already coming off of a hard three-rounder. But it looks like there's nobody else there. So I guess that whole fight is going to be moved to a different date. At least they have a headliner later on in the year they could rely on. So at least there's that. One also announced that they have begun an agreement with the World Anti-Doping Agency to start testing their fighters. So that should be very interesting in conjunction with their weight cutting. So they're really looking to promote themselves as a world martial arts organization that is clean and that is safe and prosperous for all fighters. So I really appreciate that. Uh, we have to see what, you know, one doesn't really publicize a lot of their findings. So let's see if we even hear anything from these drug tests, if their organization is going to be affected anywhere than near the UFCs or will be more like a Bellator where, you know, it's, you know, testing is done, but we don't hear anything about it. And, you know, fight cards aren't really affected by it because of this, um, you know, the not stringent state testing. But it just baffles me how they're going to be able to test all those fighters all across Asia with this um, thing, with this new um, agreement. It's incredible. And I the only thing I can hope for is that the fighters are taken care of and that all the fighters have signed on for this willingly because in the UFC it wasn't done that way and I'm just going to be very surprised if it's done that way in another MMA organization. And I really wonder how um, WADA is going to improve, you know, business for one championship. As we've seen in the UFC, it's not a financially prosperous move to do. Many, many fight cards have been canceled out due to failed drug testing and many, many stories have been published you know, just as recently as 232 about different drug testing procedures and how they can affect a fighter and the science behind of it. And it's been very fatiguing to the modern MMA fan. And for someone else to throw their hand into that ring, I'm very, very surprised. And I just hope that at least the heads over at one championship at least looked at the UFC model and got some benefits from it rather than just trying to follow suit and try to legitimize themselves by using an athletic um, doping agency. Keep good, keep on Twitter. I'm going to wrap up this podcast with a few shout-outs. Shout-out to the wonderful Norman Park calling it a career this week. Wonderful fighter, ultimate fighter, smashes winner. Um, really was a mainstay in UK MMA when I was getting to know the sport. So I hope for everything to be great for him in the future. Also, I want to shout out the wonderful Joe Lozon becoming cancer-free. I'm really, really, really looking forward to seeing him in the future. Even if it's not an MMA aspect, I'm just happy to see someone safe and healthy. Also, I want to shout out Dragon Ball Super, the movie, Broly, becoming the first anime in history to debut in the U.S. In the US sorry, in IMAX. That's a big deal. Even though it's for one day, that's one day that we can look forward to seeing different movies in IMAX with the highest quality. And I really am looking forward to that. And I want to shout out Eric Silva making his Bellator debut. I know he's been a meme of various jokes, 
Maybe he's the, you know, the first sacrificial lamb of the USADA um, age, but I'm happy to see him moving forward with his career and hopefully Bellator will be a good fit for him. Keith will keep on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening to the Punchy Panda podcast today. Thank you so much for sticking with me. You can always hit me up on Twitter. Keep good, Keith. DM me. Anything you want me to improve, add. And if you just want to um, hit me up, I'm willing to talk to you guys. Thank you so much for being a loyal listener. Thank you for being a part of the Punchy Panda podcast. It's all about me and you. And always, punch up.